As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we're going to talk about the uneven weekend that the Brooklyn Nets had. Some highs, some lows, and some middles. Plus, if we get desperate, I do have some Kyrie Irving trade possibilities. There's some context that we need to discuss, though, leading into it. Oh, we'll get desperate, Mike, if I have anything to do with it. Before we get started with the show, this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Guys, this is Mike Arsalo O'Brien. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself by that paywall at TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. <clears throat> right? Michael. Are we back? The Nets. Are we? It's your Our call. Disappointment. It's, it's your call. I can't tell. It's sort of back. It's somewhere. It's Had we beaten that, that uh, beat the Bulls last night, beat that would have been... Yeah. Yeah. We'd have been real back. We kind of, we just sort of expected to lose that game, though. And such, isn't that sort of an indicator of where we feel like this team is, Mike? Let's get into it. Let's get into the, into the well, game. Well, tell me. You know, you, you <laughs> seem to have a thought about it. Where is this team? They had won five in a row going into that Bulls game. I yeah. think we should we should state that loudly and clearly. The Nets had been on a five-game winning streak. We've been streak. on a tear. We've been looking good. Yeah. Um, things have been clicking. But at the same time, we sort of like... I don't know. In my heart of hearts, I felt like everyone was sort of complacent, or like not complacent. How do how to say this exactly? Everyone was okay, they were prepared to lose, prepared that game. to lose that game. Yeah, yes, in a certain sense. And then they did, you know, lose steam and 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 not win the game. Um, second half of a back to back, blah 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 blah, all the things, you know. But at the same time, it's like we are tr- we we had been a team that was the stackedest of all stacked out there, and now we're sort of like okay with with losing steam in the fourth quarter to like a, a good a, a better than expected bulls team but by no means a a world beater you know but that's that's sort of where we are mike it's it's kind of yeah, a, it's funny you that know. you say they're not a world i'm You're super bullish. impressed You're by bullish. the bulls yeah, I'm, nice. i am bullish yeah. 
they just they had lineups. I mean, they had lineups where pretty much every time on the floor, there was at least three guys who could get buckets. You yeah. know, like real shot makers. Demar Derozan, while he isn't a three point shooter, gets buckets. Levine, obviously, he was actually zero for four from three, but he's an elite scorer. Vucevic, who is the classic guy that actually kills the Nets in this game, pretty did crummy. really well rebounding. Yeah, but but didn't didn't kill the team in the normal. Th- like, <clears throat> there's just a lot. Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. Yeah, I'm Io in general. Disanumo, <laughs> who's yeah. who was like a spark plug. Did you watch him at the end of the game where he like had a cheeky? Uh, he just basically like full court pressed with 20 seconds left to go and a 20 point <laughs> blowout and got like super hyped on it that to then just get in bond the ball and then run out the clock for them. It's like, all right, all right guys. Um, but anyways, that's, that's all well and good. Um, I, I, you know, I'm just less, unless I, it's a good start and they look great. Um, but I, I think in terms of world beaterness, I, I've, I've now come to this like stupid skip a like side of the, of the thing where it's like elite bucket getters are, are actually there's like a pretty significant tier system there. Zach Levine's there, but that's kind of their only, only one, and he's still sort of an unproven commodity um, down the line. But dude, that guy is really good. He was like every shot he takes, he gets tons of separation on that fadeaway. He's got he's got a real he's got a real weapon now, a go to weapon that is that is working. So he'll um, he's got it. He's figured it out. But uh, I think they're in need of. Just a couple. I don't think that you said like DeRozan's like a, you know, his like walking bucketness is still sort of up for debate for me. Um, he doesn't have enough in the bag to be to be that echelon. But anyways, um, that's not that's not the bu- you, you disagree yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, I think is I think he's proven that if anything, he is a walking bucket. He scored. Tw- he's been scoring 27 points a game per per game this year, and he's averaged over 20 points a game. Dating all the way back to the empty, 2013 empty, 2000. empty calories, Mike. You know, but you know he, those are empty cals. He could let's not, Brian. This is a bad take, but I'll just gonna say this: if anyone is a walking bucket in the NBA, it's Demar Derozan. Like that's Dude, my, the thing my, that he my, does. My, my that's def- the only thing. My he does. definition has changed now that I've watched. What enough is your ca- definition of well, it's a, Kevin of Durant? A and anything bucket. else is is oh, that's is below is, is beneath him. Uh, so um, I've become. But who jaded. cares? This yeah. isn't a Bulls yeah, podcast. Shut up, shut up guys. Shut up, crap about the shut Bulls. Shut up, Brian and Mike. Um. By the way, I'm looking at the advanced box score of the Nets Bulls game, and I don't know if this is a glitch or if this is in fact the truth. Uh, they have individual offensive and defensive rating for players, and and that is a fraught statistic. It's not actually like if you listen to Seth Part now, who used to be the head of analytics for the Milwaukee Bucks, he's a co-host on the Athletic NBA show, their Nerder She Wrote pod. Uh, he says individual offensive and defensive ratings. I believe this is what he states uh, are a crock of s. Mm. But Bruce Brown had a zero offensive rating in that Bulls game. Uh, that's not good. Uh, a, a zero offensive rating it means uh, you didn't do anything. Bruce Brown shot 0 of 8 from the field. He only took one three-pointer. He didn't get to the free throw line. He took eight shots, missed them all, had zero assists. So essentially an offense, besides screens, which he was a, he was a, a devastating force screening. He did nothing. Um, how big of a deal, Brian? I feel like I know your answer. How big of a deal should we make into this Bulls game? Because the other the other five wins leading into this game were against not really impressive teams. The Hawks was a big win. Toronto had been playing well. 
but the Pistons are bad. The Pacers not at full strength, and they so then they played the Pistons twice. How big of a deal should we make of this loss against the Bulls? Um, it's not. I mean, there's something there. It's it's not a big deal, grand grand scheme of things. But um, it does. I like I was saying to begin. Like I think there is something indicative about our ceilingness, this regular season ceiling. Like if we go out and beat the Bulls on this night, it suggests like, oh, okay, like we we actually have maybe like really clicked on and and are locked in, Mike, in all the ways that um, that the sports analysts will will tout. Um, and I mean, it's not to say that we haven't been looking awesome like we you know like you're saying five game winning streak and i expect that the rest of this road trip will also have lots of wins associated with it um so it's like by no means any concern i'm not at all concerned but it is there's a little bit of like that's we're just maybe one Kyrie irving away from having no problem <laughs> winning that game as well you know and and that's i guess that's my my only takeaway it was just like we were prepared to lose and why, you know, why, why have we become complacent in that way? If we're, if we're trying to be these, the, the, you know, the death star in the NBA, which I don't think, you know, I don't think we can argue that we are anymore. You know? Yeah. I don't think, I think the death star, if we're any sort of weapon from some sci-fi fantasy movie, we're not the death star anymore. We're like, that's just really, we're a a star destroyer, you know, one of many, one of a few and, you know, (laughs) sure they're a problem, but, um, you know, not prohibitively a problem for every for the rest of the universe. Yeah, and and our engines could fail, and we dive spear first, you know, into another Death Star. That's potentially our fate. True. Um, True. <laughs> yeah. No, the, without Kyrie Irving, the Nets, while still a title contender, maybe still the favorites in the East, aren't the devastating force. I think that's just been clearly proven out because yeah. what what we've already discovered in this season. So Patty Mills really hasn't, he's had a few good games, but he hasn't been consistent. Part of the problem with them so far this season is that, and and I love Patty Mills. He's averaging 10 points per game, three assists. His, his field goal percentage is 42% from the field. He's shooting 47% from three. So he is having a high efficiency from three, but his two-point percentage is down to 30 two percent on twos which is dramatically lower than he's ever been in his career uh he's always been around about the 48 percent mark um in his career patty mills hasn't been consistent uh there's bruce brown will have games where he scores and then games where he goes over eight blake griffin will have games where he's super impactful and then completely fade away yeah marcus aldridge has been pretty good no one could take shots he's the lone source of consistency in the in the bench yeah and it's hard if it's all on Harden, who's still coming back from injury, we're told. <laughs> the longest hamstring injury in the history of the NBA. Those hammies are tough. That's a tough one to come back from. That's a, that's a tough ham hock right there. there. <laughs> it is. Nice. Um, but this team isn't that the devastating force that we're led to believe. I I don't I'm not discouraged by the Bulls no, game in the least no, bit. How no. can we be? But listen to us. But listen to us. Like, yeah, it's no, nah, it's fine. We're but like don't don't you think just just hidden beneath the surface there is a little kernel of doubt that's that's sown for from those types of losses. Well, I think it's if if we can stitch together a long, larger narrative, which and and this has been discussed many times before. Uh, the the Nets shot the ball 86 times from the field and the Bulls shot the ball 98 times. They got 12 more shots from the field than the Nets did. And that's consistent over 
the the season so far. I, I would I would guess that probably pretty much every game so far this year, except for those Pistons games, the Nets shot the ball fewer times from the field than the other team. That's because they aren't a good rebounding team, and mostly because they're still turning over the ball too much. And James Harden will have like a random like seven turnover game. Yeah. Um, also, and that makes it really hard. One thing know? about Harden too that I've noticed, and I've sort of I forget. I don't know. Some some podcast was to talk about how fast Lowry brings the ball up uh, to get into their offensive set for the Heat. And I forget who it was. I really should credit this, but I'm not going to remember. Was was basically saying they've done like some interesting like analysis of like the downstream benefits of bringing the ball up faster. And they're like so many downstream benefits. Like you just you get like a bunch of just good things happen when you get into your offensive set faster, more second chance points, um, more opportunities to pick up like, you know, Interest, like thousand things like that. it's just like generally better for everyone and like every time Harden just barely gets it over the half court line <laughs> with with 16 seconds to go on the clock and I just wonder like you know how much how much of these like that that's a weird thing to pick up on it's like a weird thing to pinpoint and um but it is like part of I think the greater sort of like macro issue with the team is just like there is a both like a, a comfort level also like they're trying to inspire themselves around defense but for me like and that's fine that that seems to be clicking in a way that it kind of wasn't last year like people like 100%. this whole yeah. blue collar thing is cool but I'm actually have more issues with the offense weirdly this season than than I ever had before and uh it's just like mostly because I can't think of when I think of the Nets offense all I think of is Kevin Durant, and I don't have much, and and it's his like basically ISO game, and I haven't really conceived of like what is their identity beyond that. Like you know, it's James Harden finding his way is the other part of the identity, which is a shit identity. You know, that's not one I like. Yeah, and like the after we talked about this after the Hawks game, the role players play great in that game, and Joe Harris said after the game that I think it was the Hawks game that the ball was moving, we're making the extra pass, and all that. That's been rarer than what we usually see, um, which is like a little more ISO heavy, less movement, kind of like really depending on the Marcus Aldridge to bail out. Like if if KD and Harden aren't getting the shot, it's like, hey, LaMarcus, can you hit an 18 footer? And that's been yeah. fantastic this year. <laughs> and and I'm already feeling like we're having gushing. This is the classic after a lost vibe, right? Yeah. I think if we if we did a segment, uh Dr. Oz yeah, if we, <laughs> and we did yeah. positives and negatives, which we could certainly do. I think there are more positives. The team is seven and four. Uh, they had been riding again, a five game win streak. Kevin Durant, we don't say this enough, has been absolutely ascendant. He is back to exactly what he was before his Achilles injury. If not, he says himself that he's different. I'm not going to say he's better like that. That's almost impossible to believe that anyone could be better than what he was. But he's the best player in the NBA. Um, ultra efficient, devastating score. It can get to any spot he wants to on the floor. His athleticism is not a problem at all. Remember when the conversation was, he'll be like Dirk. He'll be late stage mm-hmm. Dirk is what he yeah. could be post his Achilles injury. He, I mean, all respect due to the, the flying German, but... Mm. Uh, Katie's a little bit better than late stage Dirk. He's a little, he's a little better. He's oh, a little better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and also it's a, you bring up a good point. Like the Raptors win was, um, just this one time you did, um, the Raptors win was like the best one of the season. I think we, uh, you know, that feels that way. And like, just because it was like, that's a scrappy team at home, which they take super serial. Um, and, um, 
They had every reason to like get inspired to win that game, and we just kind of shut it down in a way that a good team does. It, it felt like a um, the kind of the kind of gutsy win that good teams do against other good teams, um, and like kind of coasted to like a ten point win towards the end. Like really kept kept the pressure uh, away from them. So like if we had potted yesterday, uh, this would be a, di- a very different podcast mike that would be totally <laughs> totally different um because that was a good win and and we and like we were saying like we had sort of prepared our bodies for the disappointment of going into this bulls game and probably and probably running out of gas um kevin durant playing back-to-backs though mike which is interesting and good to see um yeah i mean and and yeah. james harden and it's just as much yeah. discussion as there is about these again these hamstrings uh the the most famous hamstrings in the greater uh five borough area uh, mm-hmm. he, he continues to play big minutes. He's, he's averaging about 34 minutes per game this year, which, you know, he had, he had, in his career had gone up to 38 at one point, but that was, he was 26 years old. Now he's 32. Um, 34 minutes a game is a lot. His, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Coming back. I do oh. want to have a little bit more of a James Harden discussion because, I feel I feel a seesaw effect that's happening online that we okay. need to discuss. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back, Brian. So James Harden, and I, and we could do this every episode. We could assess and analyze and see where he is. Sort of the inspiration mm-hmm. for this segment is, I don't know why I'm allowing this person to get under my skin so much, but Nick Wright had, mm-hmm. had tweeted a few oh, weeks ago that James Harden is one of the worst players in the NBA. And he continues to point out how bad Harden has looked. And I don't agree... Fully, I do agree that he's diminished in some capacity. Obviously, the free throw rule change. I mean, he's taking less than five free, th- free throws per a game this year, and he had about a six-year stretch, really 
an eight-year stretch where he's basically hitting 10 or more free throws a game. So drastic change in terms of how impactful he can be. But I just want your scout's eye, Bri. I want the scout's eye. Okay. If 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 I were to ask you to be fully honest, I sat you down, strapped that polygraph to you, mm. stripped away your yeah. Nets fandom, and just got that scout's eye. What would you say? How how is yeah. James Harden playing this year? Oh boy, you know I. It's definitely not as Rick as Nick Wright uh, describes it like the worst player in the NBA. That's that's not true. Um, but it is hard to to disagree that there is a a percentage of diminishment that he's on. He's on. I think he's on everyone's mind in a way that is um, indicative of uh, a a potential lack of of faith <laughs> it's a weird way to say it but like i i am every time that he does one of the hardenesque things that we've come to know from his like highlight reels from the past you're like oh great a hardened thing like and that's a weird way of sort of watching james harden which is maybe last year and you know before the injury and years prior it was just taken for granted completely taken for granted that harden just did harden things throughout the course of a game with you know few lapses in consistency um now I feel like they're very like concrete moments of hardened things, which is like a weird way of saying like he's on my radar, but it's like, and and it's in many ways, it's like passing, he's getting a passing grade, but you're still like, you're, you're on my radar in a way that you never used to be. And that'll continue. I think until like, I, I don't know exactly what I need to see happen. Um, but something I, do you get what I mean? It's like something needs to change yeah, yeah. a little bit. Like it just, maybe it's the, it's the, I think it's ultimately if I just put like a, a KPI behind it, it'd be getting points in the paint. Like that's really, I think like the, the big change that, that seems to be, he can't take people off the dribble as consistently as he used to. If you switch off a Chris Boucher onto him, he can take him off the dribble. But if you get like a rangier wing that's more stretch, you know, stretch three or four ish, someone that's a little bit more mobile, he's not getting around him in the way that he used to, which I guess we're all going to attribute to the hamstring. Fine. Good. I guess that's going to come back online at some point where we're led to believe. But in lieu of that, you know, having him not be able to be the gravity pulling dribble drive force that he used to be is it's um it's a big change it is a fundamentally yeah, big change there was a there was like it, nets twitter is a fantastic place every time harden doesn't get a foul call uh, you get the clip immediately on twitter and people yelling about how is that not a foul but there was a moment in the bulls game where i forget who was defending him but basically clothesline harden as he was going to the hoop and there was no foul call like straight yeah. like ripped across his arms and his chest and Harden wasn't able to get off the yeah. shot and he doesn't get the foul call and Nash has talked about this I, it's a huge deal the the guys in the NBA referees manual the virtual manual that I'm sure that they pointed out as saying these are irregular basketball moves and don't allow foul calls on these they're showing Trey Young and James Harden I guarantee it and so all these refs are attuned to the fact that when I referee Harden, I'm just not going to give him, I'm not even going to give him the benefit out. It's almost like, you know how classically in the NBA, stars get car calls. It's, it's actually mm -hmm. the opposite for James Harden at this point. He is, <laughs> he is being negatively treated because of his former success. 
the film room is like it's like clockwork orange style they're just showing like <laughs> images of and then their their cognitive biases are just completely overloaded with with james hardish footage of him doing the worst of the worst i imagine it's a fouls. mix of clock that basically the, the scene? matrix like all referees are all wearing their like gray and black little uniform and they're strapped into the seats and there's a cord plugged yeah. into the back of their head right. <laughs> and they're just seeing you know like sure. now they know kung fu they're just seeing calls constantly and now finally realize oh james harden was doing a lot of bullshit before and now we can't let him happen i but i think i think the primer of just seeing a lot of james yes. harden in the like infraction footage is what we're talking about in terms of building this immutable cognitive bias that we've been seeing now and it's terrible it's terrible i urge everyone go to basketball reference if you if you are someone who's like james hart is just as good as he always was go to basketball reference and just look at his per game each season that that simple graph that they have for his career it's a dramatic shift on two point two point percentage (laughs) that even you will be able to understand simple terms of shots inside the you know inside the arc uh, you, you know, three-point attempts are down drastically, too, and free throws. Everything across the board, every possible shot that James Harden could be taking from three-point <laughs> attempts, two-point yeah. attempts, and free throws, they are all down. And, yeah. And meanwhile, in a, in a season where his usage should have been increased from last year, like he's, you know, he's taken on more of a role or should have taken well, on more of a role. Well, and I think part of – so Harden hasn't looked as good, but I do think he deserves some credit for – Earlier in the season, I think it was very pick-and-roll heavy, particularly with Nick Claxton in there. Nick Claxton not being there, the bigs that they have on the team aren't pick-and-roll bigs. They're pick-and-pop bigs. Um, Harden deserves some credit for sort of dialing back the I dominate the ball to such a degree that everyone else stands around. Now, I don't think the offense is flowing. We've talked about that. But Mm -hmm. he is shooting the ball much less than he ever has in his career. And he's getting the free throw line much less than he has in his career. His assists are still basically what they were. And his turnovers haven't dramatically increased. They're actually a little bit lower than they have been over his career. So, like, part of what the point to, we all, we all, PPG points per game, we all, mm. we all analyze PPG. Oh, his PPG is down. So many people are having conversation on the streets about his, about his PPG, about PPG points per game. Yeah. Uh, it's really down also because he's just taking fewer shots and he's, at the free throw line a lot less. Can I add one little divergent yes, thought? Great movie, this? Divergent. When you were talking about Nick Claxton, <laughs> I, I, uh, I am more convinced than ever in the Steve Nash strategy of showing people what they like, showing them the thing. Like this is going to happen with Camp Thomas again soon. Showing them what like they're all clamoring for, and then realize like, oh, actually, we don't want that, and then taking it off the <laughs> table again. I, he's d- like he's done this so expertly with Nick Claxton. You don't hear anybody being like, "Where's Nick Claxton? He's getting DNP'd now," and like it's a maybe not good. He's back in the G League. Who knows where he is? Whatever. But like you don't hear a peep on Nets Twitter about it or anywhere else because like we did see the Nick Claxton experiment play out, and it wasn't super deep. Well, it's actually attractive. the best thing. I mean, the best thing for Nick Claxton would be if he was averaging 20 and 10. So I, I shouldn't say it's the best thing for him. But it's actually kind of good that he failed so spectacularly at the beginning. He gets an illness, yeah. which stinks, but he goes away, and then he can slowly work himself back into like what he should be. Like Nick Claxton is a guy that should have a long runway in terms of uh, development. And, you know, he he was kind of shoved into the spotlight because Nash wanted to see what he had, and he failed. He failed pretty spectacularly. 
I think Nash. I think Nash knew what he had and wanted to be like, here, here, Nets Nation. See, see what. Behold, this was a direct behold, shot on Twitter. Well, yeah, this was to, to Twitter. If, if Nash in a press conference. <laughs> He made his like, decisions based on reply guys said, on Twitter. Twitter, you happy? <laughs> you do. You, you've ruined our yeah. boy, my precious boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Claxton anon uh, group out there, the Claxtonons. Yeah, um, yeah. there's a few I, of them. So to assess James Harden so far this year, let's just say the broad statistics: eighteen, eight and a half assists per game, and eight rebounds. He's averaging four and a half turnovers, which really isn't that great, but two for one, basically turnover to assist. He isn't getting to the hole as, as well. He doesn't have that burst. Uh, he obviously isn't getting to the free throw line. We've talked about that. I wonder if if his hammies are actually an issue. Like, do you shut him down for a week or two? Like, it, like I'm hey. not a doctor, but like, is that... It, what's the thing that's going to make his hammies the best? I guess playing basketball is the thing that will help him the most. Um, not, not a doctor, <laughs> don't know. But the fact that he played back-to-back games to me indicates that like they're not – and played a boatload of minutes uh, that they're not doing if, – if there's attention being paid to the hammies, it's not in the play less um, spectrum. So I will say I remember this as a – a Wizards fan growing up when Russell Westbrook last year came to the Wizards, he looked awful at the start of the season for the Wizards because he also had hamstring issues and, and Russ was going through a lot of different injuries and he played through it. And by midpoint of the season, he looked like the triple double monster force that Russell Westbrook is and played that way through the rest of the year, whether you like Russ or not, like he looked like what we remember. We talked about with Jeff green when Jeff green was on the show, friend of the show, Hefe Verde, Hefe Colton Verde. Mm-hmm. Um, Verde, please. I we brought up. I was like, you know, we talked. He's good friends with Russ, and we talked about. It. He looks like old Russ. He he looks like the Russ that yeah. we remember from OKC. So, Harden, you know, we're eleven games in. I I just fear that like, is this this is a great player still? But is this the player that we're gonna get? You know, is this the mm. if and if it is, then, um. Sean Marks needs to sneak into Kyrie Irving's West Orange home or East Orange and stab mm-hmm. him with the vaccine. Just needs to needs to yeah. have it. And like in the scene in Dune when they send in the seeker into Paul Atreides' room. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Shit, Come on now, again. Mike. People. But this isn't really a spoiler. Like it's it's within the first third of the movie. You're, I'm not telling you what happens at the end of Eternals. <laughs> you know, I, I you know who pops up at the end of the Eternals. I'm not saying it. Don't. You just you're on. You have to be more sensitive. To this, no, Mike, I for the people. They send in the they send in a thing to to kill kill the spoiler. What, that was that? spoiler. That's in. That's like <laughs> he's a a little prince who wants people want to murder. What that's. If you're listening to the show and you haven't seen Dune yet, spoiler alert! Watch that. Mike spoiling. <laughs> Doing it again, Nita guys. Kimes, again. friend of the show, did tweet out that she. This really crushed my soul. She said, "I'm just glad you guys didn't you." that Brian basically stopped Mike from announcing spoilers of Dune before I saw Dune. <laughs> and that was yeah. crushing to see someone like Nina Kimes say to us, hey, Mike, you're an ass. Like, essentially, Mike is a bad person. Yeah. Read between the lines. You're an ass here. Right there. Read between, I, I, between the lines, right. Mike. Not everyone views the same things that I view uh, at the same time. 
You you gave up. I don't watch Ted Lasso, but you gave up the Ted Lasso. Lasso. There was nothing to give up with Ted Lasso. (laughs) You play soccer. Someone emailed us and was like, "You ruined that." I don't even know what I could have given up. Like you ruined it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Next, I think next week we should do a redraft of the Nets roster, Uh, and because I think our because Brian and I our season preview episode was we drafted the Nets roster. Him and I taking players back and forth. Um, I wonder how different it would be now because I think it would. You, you have Kevin Durant, but I have Lamarcus Aldridge. So, <laughs> you have all you know, the old check, checkmate. People. I think I took like Nick Claxton. <laughs> yeah. We haven't even talked about Paul Millsap in I feel like a month. Like, there's people on this roster who you know are falling through the cracks, or at least on my well, roster. Let's do I'll stock up, stock down. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, next I mean, week. Bit, or I don't know. Are we basically yeah. who's the Bitcoin? Who's the Ethereum? And then who's like the <laughs> yeah. General Electric stock? I don't have, am I, how much do I actually need to start paying attention to this? I don't care at all. And I can't to like any you, of the crypto. I mean, shit. it's like, the I future, just cannot, but if you don't care about the future, then it's, it, it's like, not that I don't care about Pokemon, you know, in theory, but it's like, you know, talking about like, Oh, Ethereum, it sounds like a Pokemon to me. Like, okay, what is what's his powers? What does he do? Great. Cool. Like keep it moving. Could be, could be, a, could be a shampoo. Could just be, put, you know. put all your money in Bitcoin. You'll be, you're going to be happy. You're going to be happy. <laughs> be good be, okay. Um, can I ask you real quick something, Brian? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so Patty Mills, it's kind of glaring when Patty Mills doesn't shoot the ball well because he's so, I love this mentality. And I apologize to the Patty Mills mafia out there. What I'm about to say, and please don't come after me and my family. I understand the thing I'm saying is blasphemous. I love Patty Mills, but because of his confidence, and because of his mentality, I'm going to keep taking good shots because if I can keep taking shots, keep taking good shots, I I will eventually hit them. And he is shooting a good percentage this year. It's pretty glaring when he was taking all those shots and he hits goes two for nine from the field and one from five from from three. He kills possessions by missing those shots like everyone does when they miss a shot. Should I care about that or should I be happy that Patty Mills is not afraid to shoot? Well, I think I think what's. Maybe the takeaway is that Patty's not afraid to take up the mantle of leading the offense of the second unit, um, but he was never supposed to do that. That wasn't supposed to be his job. He was supposed to be spot up, elite spot up shooter guy slash combo somewhat playmaking guard next to Kyrie Irving next to, you know, like this is this is the reason why the Kyrie Irving thing is so triggering. It's because the downstream effects of it. It puts pressure on everybody else. And I think the person who's feeling the pressure the most out of anyone would be Patty Mills, who's then tapped. He's like, you're basically like Kyrie Irving. He's like, I'm, I'm really not. I'm like, I want to be. Don't don't get me wrong. I would like that a lot. But but I'm not. And and um, and I think that's I think that's what he's warring with more than like that. Because like, I don't think he wants to do any dribble drive mid rangey like shots that he's trying to do. I think he wants to just plug open open spot yes. up threes that's i think that's what he's made what he's he, well, that's what he was thought my job was going to be and now it's not and like you know he's tra- he's been a, a good sport in terms of taking on that extra load but it's not natural it's not what he's it, it's like to be when doing. i interned for sirius xm nascar radio i was an intern yeah and then suddenly by the end of the summer <laughs> but the, i was a lot of responsibility yeah uh, a weekend roundup show and i'm like hey great love the responsibility wow. not doing a good job guys really yeah <laughs> not getting paid <laughs> i'm driving i'm driving down ball. to dc yeah. and i'm paying for my own parking and i'm also not getting a salary and i'm now doing a show and i'm not doing a good job 
So well, we should, we should, I'm not, but that's amazing. Dude. I've never heard that. Was there, did you have like stress dreams about that? That sounds like a stressful, that's no, no, like no. It's like one of those me. things where like, I didn't even realize it was producing a show until I was like, oh, I'm actually producing the show. Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't well. good. Cause I also don't know NASCAR. And then, and it, and it, pre- and it prepared you to produce <laughs> this, this, this masterpiece. Um, <laughs> so, so thank, uh, thank goodness. Kyrie Irving, perfect transition point, And I appreciate you for bringing it up. So. We've had some interesting developments since we last potted. Uh, last week, we were kind of living in the glow of Eric Adams, the mayor, mayoral elect in New York City, saying he's going to revisit vaccine mandates. Then he had another interview, which was after we potted, him saying, I mean, I can't understand how politicians don't understand this. But he was basically like, the NBA and Kyrie will have to come to a decision, which is like, it's your... It's your guy's mandate, which is fine. Yeah. I support you, you are, <laughs> mandates. I'm just saying it is the city's. Do you think ordinance. they know? Is this is this like I can't even tell. Like it, it's so consistent now that people have not gotten that correct. Like, is it just a way yes, to dodge? It's a the way question? to dodge. Or like, I don't because what happens yeah. is the people asking these questions. And, and so this was I'll, I'll, I'll provide context. This Eric Adams interview we're referencing was on was with Wolf Blitzer. And Wolf is a basketball fan. He's a huge Wizards fan, which is hilarious. Huge. What? Is that true? Like I he goes to like, Are you like 20 Blitzer? games a year at wow. least. Huge. Oh, I love uh, that. It'll take like selfies of him, him at Wizards games. It's so, so cute. Get out so of lovely. Here. Um, yeah. So he asked Eric Adams specifically about Kyrie Irving. And Eric Adams said the NBA thing. And, and Wolf followed up and said, actually, uh, Mr. Mayor, it, it's the you know, mayor, Mr. Mayor elect. It's the city's policy. And Eric Adams then says, well, the city's not changing their policy. So it's up to the NBA and Kyrie to come to an understanding. Now, people are really hanging on to the fact that Eric Adams said the city isn't changing their policy, which I do want to say one thing. And then we'll get to the Kyrie Irving point. Um, it it would be incorrect to assume that the city will never change their policy because these policies come into place to account for t- like high points in coronavirus. And the hope is maybe by next spring that we will, all, you know, more people will be vaccinated and we will all feel better about coronavirus. And then we can do away with some of these mandates a little bit. That would be the hope. We all should hope that mandates go away at some point, blah, blah, blah. But we're living in this shifting reality where it really does seem like, I don't know if you feel differently, it just doesn't seem like New York City is going to change their their Kyrie Irving policy, essentially, right? Like, I don't think anytime soon. Certainly, it certainly won't change when Eric Adams initially goes into office on January 1 and before the trade deadline, which is mid-February. So, we, we maintain that Kyrie Irving will remain unvaccinated most likely until until forever, basically. And here's the problem with how this these types of situations work. Now both sides are dug in, and the there's going to be a perceived win, yes. a symbolic win for either side, and that's where things get stupid and nasty. Uh, and so, like basically, I, and I don't know, I can't speak to whatever Kyrie, but like you have to imagine if Kyrie gets the vaccine and comes back, that'll be seen as as a win for Team Vax and blah blah blah. You know it is, but it's stupid. And do you think that's Kyrie how operate? Unfortunately, cares about that. I 
I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I'm just, just going to go ahead and say I think he does. Um, yeah. So I want to bring up a few data points that we've also gotten. Adrian Wojnarowski on Thursday had said, and we've talked about this a little bit, but that basically um, teams are calling the Nets. Okay. So we get that. That's obviously coming from Sean Marks, the fact that teams are calling the Nets and they're taking calls on Kyrie Irving, though there's never been even a hint of a trade. Then Mike Scotto, who used to cover the Nets for the Athletic and now I think works for Hoops Hype, uh, had a, a source story talking to league executives about Kyrie Irving's trade value. And Scotto, via these NBA executives, all the executives are basically like, this is the quote. For the most part, every front office and coaching staff is scared to death of Kyrie and doesn't want to touch him. One NBA executive told Hoops Hype. Honestly, it might have been four teams before this, his refusal to get vaccinated. He's just, a, and I don't really know what that means. He's a guy that front offices don't trust. Coaches don't want to deal with him. Players like him, um, which is nice. Um, I think that's a bit of posturing. Like, I, I think we extrapolate too much from one like one executive saying that is also kind of like a bullshit circumstance because whoever let's let's say that executive is uh Monty McNair who runs the Kings. Well, if if uh Monty McNair's owner decides that he wants Kyrie Irving, he's gonna force Monty McNair to do that. And also a lot of guys like not to bring in Aaron Rodgers, because I think we've all had enough Aaron Rodgers Kyrie Irving discussion. But you hear a lot of NFL executives sourced reporting saying, oh, this is hurting Aaron Rodgers' trade value. If he if he actually was put back on the market by the Packers, every team in the NFL would want him. Now, Kyrie's different because he's burned basically every bridge he's walked over. Um, he's he's demolitioned. Was it, didn't they blow up some bridge in Saving Private Ryan? Wasn't that part of the, the thing? Yeah, it was a good is a French tiny bridge. French tiny bridge. French Isn't that bridge. the other name for the movie? Yeah. <laughs> it was going to yeah. say Private Ryan was going to be Tiny <laughs> French Bridge. The day they blew up a, a Tiny French Bridge. <laughs> what a great alternate title. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Kyrie is obviously a different case. We've talked about this before. I still think, Brian, um, there is trade value for him. Do you think, like, if you're if you are another team in the NBA, <laughs> we, and I have teams that, that they could possibly be interested in him, do you think that there's value to Kyrie Irving knowing that he will remain unvaccinated knowing that he's an unreliable person it's so tough and I kind of just go back to the timeline of you know to invoke your arch nemesis now Nick Wright <laughs> um, and how he just kind of came out of nowhere teleported into the Twitter sphere with a hot take of like Kyrie Irving like could retire and that was like that's insane that's an insane thing to just put out into the world before we knew anything about any of his stances about whatever and now it looks like, I don't know, would you put the odds that he retires at like 20%? I mean, it yeah. seems plausible now in a way that like... And like initially you <laughs> like would say 20%, never I feel like would've... that was low. But then he said specifically, I'm, no, I'm not retiring. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, but his like his actions are on the retirement <laughs> pathway right now. He is he's more, more towards retirement than not at the moment. I mean, he's not playing basketball, which is super, super retirement -y. you know... <laughs> symptomatic of retirement um, yeah. but he uh, yeah so I don't yeah it's to answer your question I don't have a real ready answer other than like everything that seemed 
impossible with him just seems on the table now all of a sudden. Like literally everything, the whole gamut. So whether it's retirement or somebody offers him a max contract next year and he comes back like Croatia, their, like he goes to some Charlotte team or in Belgrade. <laughs> right. Like couldn't yeah. you see Kyrie yeah. doing yeah, the exactly. Stefan Marbury path uh, and just totally. ending up in Absolutely. China or somewhere in Eastern Europe and playing for $100 million a year? Tell Well, the thing about, the thing about Jerusalem yeah. is yeah. they're very pro-vax. They're very um, vaccine. So yeah, he wouldn't not be allowed jump. to play in Israel, but Eastern <laughs> yeah. Europe, uh, for sure. Yeah. They're lax. Well, they're lax. Um, yeah. So it, my point is like, I, you know, we could speculate. I think ultimately somebody will offer him a cut, like deferring to Raja Bell. Somebody will offer him a contract. Does he get a, let's say he doesn't play this whole year, just as one of the many, you know, in our flow chart of possibilities here, one of the many doesn't play this year is looking to play next year for a team that doesn't have any mandates. Does that, does, does, some random, I don't know, pick a team, come up and offer him that that four year contract, uh, five Knicks. year contract, right? I mean, well, not the Knicks because they have the well, ostensibly yeah, right. might have a mandate right. still. Then um, yeah. the the Miami, Miami. Yeah. I mean, like you're yeah, whoever, I think a team does know. come through. I mean, I just want to. This is real quick. So Danny Larue, he he works for the Athletic. He's also on what's the show with Nate Duncan, that where they talk about dunked D- on, dunked on, dunked um. I think Danny writes also for the athletic and sort of looked at like what the salary cap space for teams next year will be. And this, these are the teams that will have significant cap space, the Detroit Pistons, the Orlando magic, the Spurs could have decent amount of cap space, anywhere from like 18 to $30 million. And the Memphis Grizzlies only were going to have like 15 to 18. So there's not a ton of cap space. Next offseason, like, what is Kyrie Irving's contract going to be? Could not, it could not be a max contract. Yeah, but my, my feeling is, like, people move stuff yeah, yeah, I understand. all the time. I mean, I, yeah. You know, like, you those can, are teams yeah, that yeah. it would be tough for me to see him. Like, Orlando makes sense, but they're actually doing it. They have a nice thing with Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs, who they just drafted. And they do have, they've paid Markel Fultz and he's going to come back from injury at some point. You know, if I'm Orlando, I'm like, I'd rather just have Cole Anthony, who seems like a delightful person than Kyrie Irving. Um, The thing I will point out is, but but even before I get to like the hypothetical teams that could want Kyrie Irving, what's going to happen is if the Nets get serious about trading Kyrie, usually the Nets keep things pretty buttoned up, right? Like we don't hear about the big moves that happened until they happen for the Nets. The disadvantage that they have in this situation is I would imagine any team that wants to trade for Kyrie Irving must have a conversation with Kyrie before they get him and say, hey, do you want to play basketball? Would you play for us? Would you sign an extension if you did, in fact, want to play basketball? You know, and all those type of things. And by having those conversations, I think it leaks out in some way before we get to a possible trade. Like, I think there's going to be this whole slow drip of news saying the Nets are actually considering offers for Kyrie. The next one is, hey, it's these teams. And then it's, hey, these teams want to talk to Kyrie. Hey, they did talk to Kyrie. And then this is the information they found out. Like, I don't think it's going to be a sneaky trade. I may be wrong, but I don't think it's a sneaky I'm also just thinking about the world in which he comes back. And like, also, even in that world, there's like this very interesting relationship that we have to have with Kyrie Irving, which is like, let's say he comes back and like 
pulls a calf muscle or something. It'd be like, well, now you're all of your sympathy chips or you've, you've used all of your sympathy chips. Like, well, cool. You shouldn't have played or not played professional basketball for six weeks and play flag football. Let your touch football, right? It was a touch. <laughs> <or flat? laughs> it was, it was touch the lowest form. The I lowest will form. say, um, again, there's been a lot of Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie Irving comparisons. Aaron Rodgers looking like such an idiot really helps Kyrie Irving. I didn't actually, I've been totally checked out on the Aaron Rodgers. It was thing, so I don't even brutal. pay attention to football. Yeah, it, it was brutal. The amount wild. of, can you give me the, the cliff notes? What do I, what do said, I need to know top level? So he lied to, to reporters two months ago when he was in training camp and they asked if he was vaccinated and he said he was immunized and then quickly talked about something else saying he was immunized. People took it as him saying he was vaccinated because they said, are you vaccinated? He said, I'm immunized. I would have immediately, yeah, I would have immediately right. picked up on it. And that. someone That's did. A, Michael yeah. Smith who used to be at ESPN who now uh, works for Peacock and NBC Universal. They ha- he has like one of those PTI style shows. Literally when that, when Aaron Rodgers said that there's clips of him on his show saying, Hey, we should not trust him because he's saying a word that doesn't mean that you're mm-hmm. vaccinated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers like wasn't wearing masks all that time around media, which technically I guess he should have been. He wasn't wearing masks around teammates, which he should have been if he wasn't vaccinated. And then he goes on Pat McAfee's podcast, YouTube, radio show, some all those things, and he says he consulted with Joe Rogan about um, vaccination procedures. He he Smart. sent the Smart. NFL five hundred pages of research about why. He didn't need to get oh, no. didn't oh, need to get vaccinated. <laughs> that the woke mob was after him. Um, that the NFL sent some stooge to the Packers to explain why people need to get vaccinated. Like he said, he said all the things. He didn't want to get vaccinated because uh, he didn't want to become sterile. Um, so he basically, you know, it was anti-vax bingo uh, that Aaron Rodgers was saying, and I laugh because Brian and I. I'll, I'll I'll just put it on me. We were so frustrated with how Kyrie handled his situation by basically not saying anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, in hindsight, if he said yeah. this sh- yeah. this stuff, then Kyrie may never play basketball again. Kyrie was smarter to just uh, basically lie and not be fully honest and. Not, not go yeah, mask off well. with the deep state conspiracy. That's that's surely okay. Lurking but I, I do think Aaron Rodgers has helped Kyrie because th- it does lead to some appreciation for Kyrie to at least have the sanity to know I shouldn't say all the things I think. Right where Aaron Rodgers is just saying what he thinks. Okay, that's a weird. That's a weird state of of sanity to be like. I know that what think. I think think is crazy <laughs> to hear from when other people hear it so i can't talk about it but <laughs> it's a weird yeah but it, it is, is true, true to me it's you know, a true that's the, okay yeah so yeah and finally now at the 50 second 50 minute mark of our podcast here are the teams that i think would want to trade for Kyrie irving and i've talked about this before you look for the dumb teams and the desperate teams the dumb owners and the desperate owners and we're beginning our, our thirst, we used to have like a thirst rankings for the trade market, which we'll bring back when we get closer to the trade deadline. This is a version of the thirst rankings, Kyrie Irving trades. Look at the NBA standings and look at what teams are really not doing very well right now. There are three that stand out pretty clearly. The 
biggest, blaringest one that I've talked about before, but it needs to be emphasized again, is the New Orleans Pelicans. Brian, do you know what record the New Orleans Pelicans have this year? They're one and ten. One and ten. They are sporting the worst record in the NBA so far. There are three teams that have one win this year. They're the only team with double-digit losses. That's a creation of the schedule. The Pelicans are a team that we know has intense pressure, it seems, around David Griffin, who runs the team from a personnel side. They just brought in Willie Green to coach this team. Zion Williamson looks like he's playing defensive tackle for the Packers and not uh, supposed to be like the ball-dominant wing (laughs) forward for the Pelicans. Uh, The the moves that they made this offseason... Jonas Valanciunas has been good so far. Devontae Graham has actually been like okay, but he has a lot of volume for someone who's, again, they basically swapped out Lonzo Ball for. Um, there are a lot of the young guys haven't stepped up at all. Tomas Sedaransky, who they got in the Lonzo Ball swap, Sedaransky doesn't play basketball really for them at all. Um, Jackson Hayes, a really high draft pick for them in what was it the Zion draft as well he doesn't play for them really at all either uh this is an extremely disappointing team uh it seems like Brandon Ingram has basically stayed the same he's been good but he's not like he's really just not that great um and Zion we have no clue when he's going to be back they are a desperate team and when you have a desperate team with a desperate ownership who is ultra afraid that Zion may leave earlier than any rookie of his level of a, has ever left a franchise. They are the perfect team to attack. If you're Sean Marks and Sean Marks has a relationship with Trajan Langdon, who's the assistant GM there. It is very easy for Sean Marks to call up the New Orleans Pelicans and be like, Hey, you guys suck. We have a player who's really good. Who fits your team. I've talked about this before. It would have three Duke guys on the team. Three Duke phenoms and Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Kyrie Irving. Now, I've been trying to figure this out, Brian, and I've got a delicious piece of information for you that could really make an intriguing trade. I think you're going to like it. So I was under the belief that if you sign an extension with the team you're currently with, that you can't be traded within like eight months or something like eight or six months. It's why the Nets couldn't have traded Spencer Dinwiddie two seasons ago when they signed him to an extension. Jonas Valanciunas signed an extension with the Pelicans, but apparently, and I've been reading this and I would like someone to confirm it. Uh, so netspot at gmail.com. He signed it for just the highest dollar amount that he could. That still makes him tradable right now. There's some amount of money that if you don't sign for more than your previous salary, you're still a tradable contract. Jonas Valanciunas has been a guy that I've, uh, love dearly for a long time. I didn't know Burly, that. Didn't that. tough center, averaging 20 points a game and t- 14 rebounds, Brian. What's the Nets' biggest problem this year? Uh, oh, gosh. Let's think. Vaccinations and then rebounding. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. Now, Jonas actually maybe uh, is pretty good, but if you're a desperate team like the Pelicans, can if you get Kyrie Irving and you have to give up Jonas Valanciunas, I think you feel you feel pretty good about that. 
if you believe that Kyrie's going to come back. I offer up, and it, there's a lot of salary mixing and matching that needs to be done. Jonas Valanciunas, Tomas Sanaransky's expiring deal, and Jackson Hayes, because you need that salary, and Jackson Hayes doesn't play, for Kyrie Irving. The Nets get their 30-minute-per-game center who can who can be a big, burly dude, who can really get soak up those rebounds. You can actually throw to him, get offense out of him in the low post. He can be the pick-and-roll center that really fits with Harden because he can also hit threes now. He's shooting... He's shooting 58% from three on two attempts per game. Now, that's not sustainable, but that's wow. pretty good wow. as a center. Uh, he's an excellent free throw shooter. Uh, so you're not like, you, he's at the end of games, you're not taking him off the floor unless mm. if it's because of switching problems. Um, and you, you send Kyrie packing to a team that is ultra, ultra desperate. I can't express to you how desperate the Pelicans are. Now, mm. To think that a year ago that you're only going to get Jonas Valanciunas and some salary filler for Kyrie Irving would have been galling. Let me ask yeah, you, Brian. Inconceivable. Is it still galling? What's the gall meter? It's not. <clears throat> it's really not galling. That's the uh, the gall meter in terms of gall. If we already like sectioned off gall, which is gall good you know, scale gall of one Godot. to ten, it's a, it's it's like a. I think you enter gall territory by like at a at a three at a at a ten or something. Uh, and it's not that, you know, it's not that low. It's not galling in terms of like, is it possible? Do I yeah. like it? Does it offend me? Um, so, but it is <laughs> disgusting, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you know, grand, grand scheme of things. Uh, it's not great. And I'm, you know, even having to have a conversation, uh, makes my skin crawl a little bit. So, but like, if, if we're really, you know, if we're really in that, in that situation, I like yes. it. You know, I've, you know, I, 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 I think you've convinced me if that's, if that's, if it's between Kyrie not playing and ha- watching him, you know, bugger off in the off season and, and this, so, and, obviously and there's this. all these advantages to this trades for the Nets and I, and I can get to the Pelicans part, but this is a Nets podcast. So you guys can, you know, who cares if you're a Pelicans fan listening to this, who cares? You get Kyrie Go find Irving. another pot. Go find you a Pelicans Kyrie, podcast. A guy who's 35 yeah. and five. You get Kyrie Irving. Okay. And, 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 and you only do this if you know that Kyrie's not getting vaccinated and he's not coming back. For the Nets, uh, I mean, I, I think there's a word where Tomas Sandoransky is like uh, a guy on this team, but he, he, he's an expiring contract, and he, you can lower his his bill, or you can use... Oh, we're going to... We're assessing this like it's actually going to happen. Yeah, uh, you're really you bought in on this. On this Sandoransky in a different idea. deal for another <laughs> yeah. player. Um, but just look at Jonas Valanciunas for a second. So your starting lineup is Harden, Joe Harris, KD, Valanciunas, and whether it's Bruce Brown, whether it's, you know, Patty Mills subbing in, Blake Griffin as at, at the four, so you just kind of go bigger at times. The good thing about Valanciunas is he's enough of a three-point shooter now that he's actually become a stretch five in a way. Now, he doesn't shoot the three that much, but he's good enough at it. I think last year he shot like 38% or something from a three. I'm pulling it up now. He shot 37%. The year before that, 35%. On a shot, a three point over a game, but that's a respectable shot. Um, you have the 30 minute per game center, uh, an elite rebounder, which you need on this team. And it allows you to not have to rely on LaMarcus Aldridge so much. And what it does is, and Brian, we've talked about this. I don't think Nick Claxton's meant to be a long term future piece for this team, unless if he dramatically pulls his game out of his tulkus. 
and starts playing really well. You can then move Nick Claxton plus Tomas Enerinsky's contract and something else for a really good backup guard piece that you may need or another wing defender. You know, you I love DeAndre Bembry, but you can elevate. So it actually opens up more moves for you if you bring in a real center like Valanciunas. And Valanciunas helps you against the Bucks. It helps you against the 76ers. It helps you against the Nuggets if you see them in the finals. It helps you against the Lakers. He's a guy you can rely upon in that spot. It lowers the tax bill on this team dramatically, which is going to matter if the Nets want to keep more fringe players on their roster that they can't pay the minimum. Because Joe Sy seems to eventually basically said, hey, we're going to keep our stars and Joe Harris and everyone else really can't be on this team anymore because I can't keep paying tax money. So there's all these advantages that you maybe you get better role players on this team and all that stuff. Um, and for the Pelicans, they get Kyrie Irving. So I love it. I absolutely love it. You've, you've, you clearly, you clearly love it. You've written some compelling fanfic and, you know, and you've done some good world world building. I hope it, I hope it comes true for you, Mike. Do you think it'll happen? It's, you seem like you've, the only you've thing I don't, yourself. I don't know. Cause the, the thing I don't know is that, um, the, the Pelicans traded for Jonas Valanciunas for a specific reason, right? Like, if they still had Steven Adams, who they wanted to get rid of, it would have been pretty easy to get Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe from them for Kyrie Irving. Now, if you're the Nets, like, I actually don't, like, hate that fully because I like Steven Adams a lot. Um, Valanciunas is a better player than Steven Adams, uh, and they wanted him for a reason. The thing is, this becomes one of those pressure situations where if the owner of the team finds out that they could have Kyrie Irving and the guy they have to give up is like a center who no one cares about, you know, no fan is going to a game to see Jonas Valanciunas. Um, the owner's going to say, I know how much you like the center, but we're going to get Kyrie Irving. We're going to get the anti-vax Kyrie Irving here in New Orleans. And he's going to play basketball for us. And he's going to make... He's going to make Zion William ha- Williamson happy. Jonas Valanciunas ain't making uh, Zion Williamson happy. Um, so I, it's a bold that's my, move. That's my fake trade that I'm going to hold to my grave. <laughs> Good. Love it. Love it, Mike. Um, you did it. You well, did a great thank job. Thank you all for listening. I'll, I'll keep bringing uh, one fake trade per per an episode. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll eventually get Kyrie Irving to the Lakers at some point. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. If you are listening right now, go to iTunes or go to Apple Podcasts. I don't really think, you know, who's using iTunes as we discussed. Go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review us. Five stars we need and we want to have them. We appreciate you all. We're going to get some fun guests coming up. We did reach out to Darren mm-hmm. Williams's people, so we'll let you know if... put Yeah, putting that yeah, out there we, into the Twitter we, sphere. If, yeah. no, Adam, if you don't Adam, know, Darren Williams yeah. is going to fight on the undercard <laughs> to the next Jake Paul fight, and we're trying to get Darren Williams to come on the show talk to us about his career but a little mma michael hey, thank hey, you thank you for having me hey good good stuff man okay take care everybody bye bye then